Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi. I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf and welcome to another episode of Cleaning Up the Mental Mess, a podcast dedicated to helping you clean up your mental mess by providing you with practical tips and simple scientific strategies so you can live your happiest and healthiest life. In today's episode, I interview Dr. Cabran Chapek on how to heal traumatic brain injuries, natural treatment options, treating concussions, how untreated head injuries could be causing depression and other mental health injuries, what tests and tools to use to diagnose a brain injury, how blood tests can help identify brain injuries, how games and medication can be great treatment tools, PTSD treatment options, and so much more. Dr. Cabran Chapek is a star physician at the Amen Clinics and the author of Concussion Rescue, a comprehensive program to heal traumatic brain injury. He is an expert in the use of functional and integrative treatments and has additional training in the assessment and utilization of hormones to treat traumatic brain injuries in combination with SPECT imaging and the AMEN method. His areas of focus include the assessment and treatment of traumatic brain injuries, TBIs, Alzheimer's and dementia, PTSD, and anxiety disorders. Dr. Chapek is the founding president of the Psychiatric Association of Naturopathic Physicians and affiliate group of the American Association of Naturopathic Physicians. If you enjoy my podcast and want to know how you can help me continue making them possible, please consider subscribing wherever you listen and leaving a five-star review. And please continue sharing this podcast with friends and family and keep sharing about it on social media. I love seeing what you guys find helpful. Now, on to today's episode. Dr. Kibran Chapik, such an honor to have you on my podcast. I'm really, really excited about the content of today's interview, talking about traumatic brain injury and your experience in this area as well as other areas. And it's a tremendous honor to interview you. So thank you. Oh, it's absolutely my pleasure to talk with you. I've got lots of questions for you, but before we dive in, I just wanted you to share a little bit about yourself that's not in your bio and why you do what you do now and what motivates you and what got you started. We can go way back to when I was in probably middle school and my parents were, we'll say hippies, they were interested in health <laughs> and they taught me about health and I took to it like a fish to water. I just thought it was amazing how we could use things like Vicks VapoRub on your chest when you're sick. And it's like, I had such congestion. I couldn't breathe. I was like sniffling. And then the Vicks came on my chest and it was warm and I could breathe again. I thought, wow, amazing. So they got me books on herbs. I read about nutrition 
And then I found out about Bastyr University Naturopathic Medical School. And I just had a burning desire to, once I found out about it, to go to school. And that's where I got my training in naturopathic medicine. And then mental health kind of came about by, you know, the same day I got my board results, my son was born. It was a wonderful day. It was an exciting day. And at the same time, I felt this pressure as a dad to provide. And so I looked for work and I found a job at a partial hospital program for mental health and substance abuse disorders. And so started working with this population and found that I was helping people with their physical bodies, help them be healthier in mind and body using natural methods like herbs and nutrition supplements. And they were feeling better, just how I felt better when I had Vicks Vaporub on my chest and loved that helping people feel like their best selves and kind of came full circle. So I worked there for six years, became medical director, tremendous training opportunity, integrated team, loved that approach. And then have been at Amen Clinics the past seven years, just again, working with people who really complex problems, brain problems, and trying to help them using the least toxic methods possible. What a lovely start to your career and, and your career trajectory. As a matter of interest, we have something else in common, sort of in common. I gave birth to my third child the day that I finished by my PhD. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. So we, we, we have a similar little little trajectory there, we except do. you didn't give birth, your wife did. But it's a very momentous occasion. So I had two <laughs> sort of two babies at once I always talk about. So I, I get that. And you, now Wonderful. you've particularly become very interested in traumatic brain injury and done a lot of work there. You work with the Amen clinics. And so, mm-hmm. and you talk about, you know, I've been, I, I was excited to see you talking about TBI because for so many years, we've now talked about, we've had to talk about, clo- well, not had to, just the term mm-hmm. change to close head injury. So, you know, what I used to talk initially, I should say, first used to talk about it as closed head injury, then it changed over to TBI. So, yeah. but closed head injury, I almost think goes along with when you talk about this being a silent epidemic. I almost think closed head injury is a better word than traumatic brain injury because it mm-hmm. goes along with that concept. So can you explain why you call traumatic brain injuries the silent epidemic? Yeah. So, you know, working in mental health in the past 12 years, I've come to realize that traumatic brain injuries, especially mild traumatic brain injuries, are a major cause of mental illness and nobody knows about it. And I think the reason is We're not looking at the brain. We're not thinking about our brain because you can't see your brain. It's inside your skull and you can't can't feel your brain. It's not, you can't always feel if it's been damaged and there's swelling or inflammation. So these hits to the head that are cumulative that you may not think are counting, like you stand up too quickly and hit your head on the counter or out of your car or have a car accident without hitting your head and going to the emergency room. That counts towards your sum total of of brain injuries, and you don't have to go to the emergency room and have a diagnosed concussion to have had a concussion. I think for all of these reasons, just the awareness and the assessment, and also we're just not looking at the brain and thinking about the brain. 
That's such a good concept because for, as I mentioned before, we started the podcast for 25 years when I practiced clinically, I was, a lot of my patients, I specialized with traumatic brain injury and I did a lot of research, graduate research in traumatic brain injury, working on developing techniques and and to help patients. And so when, you know, it excites me when I see someone who's saying what you're saying, that we've got to look at what's happened in the brain and work from there and look at it as holistically because you actually, I'm I'm just going to read a sentence from your book where you say that every brain injury matters large and small and that brain injuries are a major source of psychiatric illness even though the greater medical community, and then you go on to talk about a little bit more, community has largely dismissed this. So you've got to pay attention to every, you've got to really look after our brain and I'm sure you probably feel the same as me that I can't watch people playing football or boxing and things because I all or going on bungee jumping or, you know, these, these roller coasters that are shaking their brain around because of the fact that your brain's on a, is moving around and it's getting, it's bashing against the skull and you've got all these shockwaves going through your brain. And I think we've just overlooked this, haven't we, in just mm-hmm. allowing that a lot of people are walking around with these silent damage to their brain and yeah. not maybe realizing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if four out of 10 patients that come to the Amen clinics for some other issue have had some degree of brain injury. We see that on imaging. Wow, that's 40%. Wow. 40%. And so it's, it's very common. And I like how you said that. It's just we're pe- just imagining that people walking around, myself included, with having some hits to the head that that caused injury and I didn't know it till I started working at Amen Clinics. You know, I've fallen out of trees, I played soccer, loves playing soccer. And we just need to start talking about it as we are today. Not that we have to shelter, put everyone in a bubble, but that we need to be aware of what's happening. And especially if there's some issue. I wrote this book for people who have had a brain injury and haven't gotten better. And for those people who have some sort of brain issue and don't realize that it actually could be due to a brain injury from the past. And I would want to reference that book, and we're going to put the link in the show notes that Dr. Chepek has written. Chepek has written a book called A Comprehensive Program to Heal Traumatic Brain Injury, and it's called Concussion Rescue. And it's fantastic because it really looks at it from a very holistic perspective and all the different angles. I was really excited to see that because you know, when I honestly, I'm older than you, and I started 38 years ago in this field. And when mm. I started first working with traumatic brain injury, I actually remember saying to my professors, our brains can change because we were schooled in the 80s that mm. the brain can't change. So once, wow, and we were yeah. really honestly, we were trained with our patients that had traumatic brain injuries or chronic traumatic encephalopathy or anything like that, mm. that will just teach them to compensate. And that was our training. And I said, this can't be right because neuroplast, even though neuroplasticity was sort of spoken about then, it was it wasn't until the 90s really that we that we spoke more about neuroplasticity. But I was very I was mm. challenging my professor and saying that our brain can change. And if you change, if you help people to manage how they manage their minds and you stimulate the brain and you help them to learn and on whatever level they're at and address diets and exercise and all these kind of things, you're going to see behavioral change. And I remember them saying to me, and I don't know if you've experienced this in your career, but a lot of them said to me, that's such a waste of time. Why are you bothering? The brain can't change. Mm-hmm. It was literally a dearth of information about traumatic brain injury back in the 80s. And the, mm. uh, there was honestly, there was only a few of us that were actually saying, hang on, there must be something we can do. And I saw patients that were 
in comas for two weeks, totally recover, go back to university and not just wow. one, multiple. And, wow. you know, so this has been a very, a subject that's very close to my heart. And when I saw yeah. your book, and that's why I wanted to interview you because you really have got it. And, 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 you know, we need to talk more about this because we, mm-hmm. we're not focusing enough on how the fact that our brain needs to be protected. And if it mm-hmm. is damaged, we can, with the right activities, et cetera, be proactive in healing our brain. And that's what I love about your book. So talk about your book. Tell us a little bit about your book. Well, sure. And I mean, I just love the work that you're doing as well and have done and that you had that vision back in the 80s when it was seen that that people couldn't get better. and, and it, it was. I was I was told literally that I was, what a ridiculous question to ask. I would literally, I've done a TED talk on it. I was literally told that's a ridiculous question. And I said, okay, well, let's see how ridiculous it is when, and you know, I just think, pursued it. So I'm behind mm-hmm. you 100% with, with oh, your work. Awesome. So That's awesome. You know, there's been over 25 large-scale trials to find the pill to heal brain injury. And they've all pretty much failed except to help save lives, which is great. Able to reduce the death rate from 40 to 50% down to 20 to 30% of severe brain injury. But there hasn't been a lot that's been done for mild and moderate brain injury. And the reason is, I think, we're not looking at the whole picture. We need to go back to the drawing board and think about all of the different pieces that affect brain function and not just one thing, but all of the all of the things. So nutrition, exercise, making sure there's structural integrity is in place and there's good cerebral spinal fluid flow. Hormones are on point. And if you have the right supplements and putting all of that together puts the brain in a healing environment and allows it to then heal. And like you saw people recover when maybe they shouldn't recover or at least at such a high level again. We see that all the time as well. So we've documented, you know, football players who had spent 20 years since they've played and now they're starting to have signs of chronic traumatic cephalopathy. They're having dementia symptoms, depression, anger, and we're able to turn them around because it's not too late. That's the beautiful thing about the brain. I'm so glad you said that. It's never too late. If you intensively decide to change your lifestyle, you can change your brain. Yes, you can. Amen. <laughs> and I love and I love the fact that you have a first aid for your brain and you 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 tackle this from quite a few different angles. But before we dive into that because I think it's incredibly relevant, I'd like to just quickly can let's just define for for the listeners the difference between chronic traumatic encephalopathy and traumatic brain injury and then also mild and moderate TBI. Can you do that? Just maybe make give us a a nice breakdown. So you know, concussion is a form of mild traumatic brain injury. That's one thing. And even, and, and then mild versus moderate, it's just based on how severe it is. That's a simple way to say it. And so a mild traumatic brain injury could be symptoms of dizziness, fatigue, insomnia, irritability, nausea, vomiting, all of those common concussion symptoms, but then it can continue that mild brain injury or concussion can continue for weeks and then months, and then it becomes post-concussion syndrome. Chronic traumatic encephalopathy is not just having concussions, but also the repeated subconcussive hits to the brain. So those mild hits that 
are cumulative that just simply hitting your head football helmet to football helmet is causing these micro tears and neurofibrillary tangles and this chronic inflammation that will smolder for years and symptoms may show up 20 years later and dementia starts. So it's, it's just more of a delayed process that set up many years earlier. I remember with we, I'm sure you've also worked with us a lot with the children that will fall and really have a bad, mm-hmm. you know, head injury and then they bounce back so quickly because they're so young and yeah. we think, oh, well, they're fine. But then we would see a classic pattern of once they hit a certain age, if it was happened in their primary school years, it would, as they transitioned into their middle school years or as they transitioned into middle high school or, you know, each big jump, mm-hmm. that's when we would start seeing the symptoms years later manifesting in a certain, so there might be mild symptoms. Symptoms, but then so it doesn't, it's not something that you can just leave. You need to be aware of it almost for the rest of the child's life. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's like this weakness, like you've damaged a ligament. You know, we can all relate to that. We've twisted an ankle. It's, you're always going to have a little bit, whether it's 5 or 10% weakness there, it's always be susceptible under strain. And so then when you, you know, as oftentimes, you know, will happen when people you know, get a little older, you're more susceptible to dementia, for example, if you've had brain injuries, not necessarily even chronic traumatic encephalopathy, just Alzheimer's. And that's why we have to be proactive with our brain health. Even if you may not remember having maybe a bump in the head or a brain, a mild brain injury, we just, as a human race, we need to be much more proactive about how we look after brain health. Absolutely. Don't we? Yeah. And that's what I love about, you know, the work that you're doing. Related to this, you, you, you talk in your book about not knowing that some of the problems you may be dealing with, like attention, memory, depression, may actually be due to a past brain injury. And you mentioned that already, that sometimes the symptoms of a little bit of depression or anxiety. Mm-hmm. How can you tell the difference if it's a past brain injury, brain injury or not, because it could be that it's due to a trauma, an emotional trauma, mm-hmm. or an emotional trauma and an actual physical injury. And does it matter that we distinguish between them? What, what is your opinion on, on that? That's really interesting. That's something we do see patients with trauma from both emotional trauma and physical trauma. And for me, it's so helpful to have imaging looking at the brain. So having a SPECT scan, S-P-E-C-T, which is a scan of blood flow and activity and you can very quickly understand if it's one or the other both is it physical injury emotional injury or both sometimes for especially for our veterans or there's been domestic violence sometimes there's both if you don't have access to a brain scanner then it's it comes down to history so looking at thinking back okay did these symptoms start after I had a car accident. There was a patient we'll call Jane who wanted to go back to nursing school. She'd always been a really good student. And then she started having difficulty in her classes. And when we interviewed her, she had had a a car accident, a rollover car accident. And it was after that that she started having difficulty focusing. But they had checked her out in the ER and said she was fine. So she assumed that that wasn't associated with this brain injury, but clearly she had had damage to the frontal lobe when we scanned her. So just acknowledging that and thinking back, okay, when did I really start having symptoms? You know, And it's helpful to think through the list of what could have happened because it may not be something you had thought of. Maybe it's just hitting your head really hard on, the, on a wall. Have you, did you fall and hit your head on the ground? 
Did you go ice skating? Did you dive into a shallow pool, hit your head on the diving board, fall out of a tree? And we, we asked patients on average five to 10 times because we forget and we minimize it. We have amnesia around the head injury anyway. So it's helpful just to ask specific questions and it really comes down to the history. That's so important. And once a person starts digging around, then they can start finding you know, the whole sort of lead up to what may be contributing to how they, it may be part of it. It could be a combination mm-hmm. of factors, but that history, at least it gets you thinking and it gets you digging right. about what's actually going on. Let me tell you about my secret weapon for learning new things and getting ahead. It's called Blinkist. Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need to know information from thousands of non-fiction books and condenses them down into just 15 minutes that you can read or listen to. I love Blinkist because in less than 15 minutes, I feel like I can fast track my path to a more intelligent and informed and healthy me. I use Blinkist as part of my daily brain building morning routine, which helps really boost my mental health throughout the day. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash Dr. Leaf. Try it free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. The link will be in the show notes. So as someone experiences, I'd love to just before we're going to get into the little bit more about you know the, the treatment, but I'd like to just a little delve a little bit more sure. about at the point of injury. So let's say someone has a car accident or they have that fall or whatever, the brain's on a brain stem, on a, like a stem that moves around. Can you explain what happens in the brain with an injury and just post and what is the best treatment just post as it, what is first of all what happens in the brain in, in that kind of situation and then what can we do about it? Okay, so when you have a hit your head, there's the primary injury, which is the damage to the actual neurons, the ripping and tearing of blood vessels and neurons and separating the meninges and and having leakage. And then there's secondary injury, which is this cascade of inflammatory events that happens where the microglia, which are these immune cells in the brain, will help and try and gobble up damaged tissue and swell and fill in space where the meninges have been torn. The meninges, of course, is this sheath that's around the brain. And there's oxidative damage, so it's like rust. Imagine a car in the rain that has been rusting from the inside out. This is There's oxidative damage. There's excessive calcium release and glutamate, these excitatory neurotransmitters and excitatory calcium kind of burns out the mitochondria. So there's all of these different mechanisms going on that are set up and and they will continue to smolder like a fire that hasn't been put out for months and sometimes years. And this is where we want to intervene. The research is pointing to this and there's hundreds and hundreds of studies, if not thousands now, that show that we can intervene here and quench that inflammation. We don't want to intervene too much. So there was a, a crash trial done, CRASH, in 2005, where they used corticosteroids to quench inflammation in the emergency room. And this was the standard of care up until 2005 to use corticosteroids to quench that inflammation. But more people died who were given corticosteroids than not. And so that 
no longer is the standard of care in the ER. So we don't want to just slam down all inflammation, but so, so the reason that that happened was the corticosteroids were to reduce the inflammation, but there's actually right. a reason for inflammation. It's a it's a healing process in the body where it's, I always explain it to people, it's like setting up a little army tent in the old-fashioned, you know, those old-fashioned wars, and you've got mm-hmm. to just isolate and wait for the body to produce all the various different anti-inflammatory yeah. the, so the inflammatory factors. Then once that little area is protected with the inflammation, then you can start having you know the stem cells and all the other healing processes in the body, and then the yeah. anti-inflammatory factors. So if we take that away, we're removing part of the cycle of healing, aren't we? Exactly, exactly. Yes. That we so we want to support the body, kind of nudge it in the right direction and not slam it down. So that's where I came up with the first aid kit for your brain because you know, there's not been one pill to cure the brain from injury in all of these studies, but there's lots of evidence that individual nutrients can help. So let's put them together and that gives us a better chance. So these are simple things like vitamin C and vitamin E in larger scale trials, they will inject vitamin C and vitamin E and more people will live who are given that in severe brain injury versus not. Progesterone and vitamin D, same story. After six months, 65% greater recovery compared to 20% who weren't given progesterone and vitamin D and this is men and women. So men can get progesterone as well if it's more of a severe case like this. And, you know, they did a trial with 81 active military in Afghanistan, I believe, where if the soldier was blown up in an IED blast or they hit their head on a tank and were having concussive symptoms, they were taken to the the medic, and they gave them N-acetylcysteine or NAC, which is turned into glutathione in the body. And in this double-blind trial, those who were given NAC had 86% recovery after a week versus those who weren't, 42%. And they gave them a big dose of NAC, but it's very safe. It's over the counter. So that's what I would like people to take away is that Think about doing things immediately to quench that inflammation. There's a window of time in which to act that, you know, as that neuroinflammatory process is being set up, if you intervene immediately, you have a much greater chance of stopping damage to cells. And you're allowing for the natural inflammatory process to take place and you're facilitating the body's ability to fight the inflammation at the right time. So you're not interfering Mm -hmm. with that cycle, but you're actually strengthening the cycle. So your first aid kit for your brain is in your book. Is it a series? You have a sort of protocol that you recommend? Yeah, I do. I do. And they're all over-the-counter supplements and I can list a few of them. So NAC, curcumin, which is from turmeric, it's what makes curry yellow and it's the added benefit of curcumin in addition to being anti-inflammatory is that it opens up aquaporins in the brain so reduces that swelling so aqua you think of water so there's these water channels that that's part of the issue as the brain swells there's nowhere for it to go eventually because of the skull is it's housed at the skull vitamin c vitamin d d is in dog to you know, it modulates inflammation, more of a hormone than a vitamin. Sorry, do the aquaporin, sorry to interrupt you, but do they yeah. help with the buildup of the inflammation, the water, because it's got nowhere to go, as you say, and your brain eventually swells because you've got the skull mm-hmm. 
surrounding it. Do the aquaporins help with that process? They do. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not sure where the water goes, but it they it does help with the swelling from the inflammation, and then helps wash it away somewhere. And then along with everything else, so it's not just one thing that you take, but it's a series of these different, like the curcumin, as you say, and the mm-hmm. vitamin D. Right. The idea is overlap. So there's some that have similar mechanisms of action, and then some that are a little different, doing things that the other doesn't cover. So omega-3 fatty acids will help with cell membrane support and keeping those cell membranes flexible as well as decreasing inflammation. MCT oil, not medium-chain triglyceride oil, helps because there's this metabolic deficit, this hypometabolic state where the brain is not able to utilize glucose as well. There's actually like a spike and then a drop of glucose in the brain after an injury. And this very hungry organ, this brain that uses 20 to 30% of calories is just not able to get fueled. And so MCT oil will be converted into ketone bodies and the ketone bodies are a fuel source. So it's basically using fats for fuel. So I think MCTs can help provide some fuel for the brain. So a handful of nutrients right after taken twice a day, three times a day for at least the first week after injury is is sort of like rice, you know, rest, ice, compression, elevation for a sprained ankle, but for the brain, it's like brain rice. Brain rice. I love that. That's so nice. That's an easy thing for people to remember. And you also speak about the natural treatments like from LED lights as well. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's not a lot of research out on LED lights yet, but I I think in the next few years, there is some. And, you know, it it just turns on healing mechanisms, mitochondria, for example, that have been damaged and increasing sort of that healing response through yet a different mechanism through light versus a substance, taking a substance. And then you talk about creating structure integrity. Can you speak about that? This is an important one because... It's not something that can be supplemented or taken. You have to actually correct structural integrity. So, you know, in naturopathic medical school, we were taught to have heal a whole person and look at all of the different underlying pieces that could affect brain injury. Well, the body, but I'm thinking brain injury, of course. And this is something I missed for a while because I'm thinking it's the brain, but the cerebral spinal fluid can get impinged and sort of kinked by the upper cervical vertebrae, if they're out of place and pushing in on the spinal cord as it's going up through the skull, you can have increased pressure and pooling of CS or cerebral spinal fluid. And that can be assessed and treated by, for example, an upper cervical chiropractor that focuses on those upper cervical vertebrae. Uh, or help reset the brain through functional neurology or cranial sacral, just making sure that the structural pieces are in, in place is something that is one of those bases that must be covered. And you also, that's, so, that's really important. And what about, you talk about upright MRIs, how would you use? Dr. Scott Rosa is a chiropractor who has really proved that th- this is an issue. And He's demonstrated, and you can see some really interesting pictures of an MRI where someone has an impingement. You can see the impingement of their cerebral spinal fluid flow, and there's pooling in the frontal lobe. And then 
after an adjustment, you can see again that it's clear. And the key for the upright MRI versus lying down is that when we lie down, there's not the weight of gravity and the compression of the skull onto the vertebrae and misalignment that happens when we're which more. That's when the problems happen is when we're upright moving around. And so capturing that on an upright MRI is what he had developed, but you don't have to have an upright MRI. Mm, Which is one of the options, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you talk about also assessing the hormone imbalance in TBR, which is, you know, that's really interesting that you talk about. I'm glad you're addressing that. Can you talk about that? Oh, absolutely. The hormones are a key piece of the puzzle. You know, they're like growth factors. And so as we're decreasing inflammation and helping modulate that, we need growth factors to help with healing. And well, 25 to 50% of people with the history of brain injury have damage to the pituitary gland, which is your master hormone gland. And if it is damaged, there will be deficiencies in testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, thyroid, adrenal glands, or could be. You have to assess, and then you can assess with the blood test. I have all the, the list in the book, and you can ask your doctor to order them for you. The key is looking at the ranges and optimizing the range to the, you want to be in the the right range, not just within range, because you want more optimal health. At least I want that for myself and for patients. And, you know, especially soldiers who have had blast injury, they're, you know, very susceptible to pituitary damage because the, the shockwave penetrates into the brain more deeply and can get to that pituitary, which is right in the center. Yeah, this is another key that can't be replaced by supplements, really. Hormones are a real key piece to the puzzle there. And so treatment would be with hormones, basically. Mm -hmm. Yep, mostly with hormones. There's supplements that can help as well. And just healing the brain in general, doing all of the nutrients and exercise will help the pituitary to recover. But oftentimes you need to prime the pump and get things back online. And then you can always taper off or something, but initially, and that's so yeah. important because if your hormones aren't on track, your brain can't function properly and your body can't function properly. And then all those anxiety and depressive symptoms, all those kind of mind issues can start manifesting and, and overriding. Because I found that with my patients as well, that would be uh, the emotional component was so important to, mm -hmm. to deal with, be able to help them. Otherwise, it can override the, even the desire to heal, you know, to get in control. Right. Yeah. Hormones, man, they, they really can affect mood. I had a patient who was a, a gunner in the army and I think he was special forces, but he lost consciousness after an IED blast for a minute and strapping young kid, like 26 years old and healthy as a horse. But after this injury, he had difficulty concentrating, had difficulty doing even his job in the army. And he was had a lot of problems with fatigue and irritability in particular. And when we tested his hormones, he had extremely low testosterone for his age. It was around like 100. And when we repleted him, he almost immediately came back to his normal self. Like he wasn't depressed. His energy was up. His wasn't irritable. He felt fine. It was a hormonal deficiency. Wow, that's incredible. I mean, you do a lot of work with military veterans and PTSD. Can you talk about your work a little bit more in this area? And I mean, what is the government and veteran affairs not doing right in terms of helping military members when it comes to mental health? I think just acknowledging that it's, it's, you know, it's a signature wound of war, both PTSD and 
brain injuries. And there's just a, there's a, just a minimization of trauma that is, you know, I'm, you're not surprised to hear that, I'm sure. If we think about who's vulnerable to that, it has to do with childhood upbringing. It has to do with how you see the world, how sensitive you are to things. So why does one person have PTSD and another not with the same exposure or the same incident? I think it has to do with all of these factors. And why why does one person have a post-concussive syndrome with the same blast that their partner had a, a blast injury with? Like it has to do with brain reserve, the sort of the health and structure of your mental health and your physical health. I agree with that. You have to look at every single person with their own within their own context. You know, the clinical trials that I that I do looking at the mind brain connection and yeah. what we just finished a set now. And in our analysis, what one of the things I'm trying to show people in the world of mental health, and this will probably be very interesting to you, is yeah. you're already saying the saying these things, but we have to look at every single person as a case study. You, there's no one cookie size. There's no one quick fix tablet that's going to make it go away. And I know the army, would, the military would love that. Okay, here's someone, come back out of war, give them a tablet, give them. It's not going to work like that. It's a whole person with their whole story and everything that's attached to that moment and their past. And you know, and every single person is is suffering from PTSD in one form or another. It just depends where they are on the scale. But we, we've got to mm-hmm. get away. What frustrates me, and I'm sure it frustrates you, is we've got to get away from this. It's an illness. Here's the diagnosis. Here's the treatment. Why aren't you better? It's it's not. This is a lifestyle. It's a story, and it's going to go on for a long time. And we've got to recognize each individual story and what they're going through. And if you look, if I look at your protocol, you're dealing with everything. I mean, we've covered quite a few things, but you you also talk about sleep and exercise and diet and hyperbaric oxygen as a. It's a you know, it's a whole mm-hmm. approach. Can right. you talk a little bit more about that? About this holistic approach to a person as an individual? Yeah, no, I that's exactly it. And and I think that you know, we're we're very similar in our mindset. And for me, I learned this through, you know, naturopathic medicine, but you know, it's not like you've come to this intuitively that this really is the best way to help people is to individualize it to them. You know, the book is and this philosophy is a guide, but everyone will have a different sort of linchpin and it's not just one thing, but it's multiple pieces. And for example, like if you have sleep problems, you know, thirty to seventy percent of people with history of brain injury have sleep problems and insomnia. I think it's closer to seventy percent, honestly. If you have chronic insomnia, you're sleeping five hours a night. How can we get you better? I mean, that we have that has to be a piece of the puzzle. We can't just have the perfect supplement regimen and the hormones and the, you know, and if if you have tons of stress, then you're not going to get better. I had a patient who owned a golf course and she was really a hard worker. She loved it. She loved to just commute two hours, work, work, work four days a week and commute back and then work at home. And she had had a a brain injury in the as a pedestrian in a parking lot in Costco actually someone accidentally ran into her and she you know they hit the gas instead of the brake as they were backing up knocked her down she had a big gash in her head so she went to the ER and they patched up the cut on her head and gave her a CT scan she had no brain bleed said you're going to be just fine you're really healthy and so she assumed she was going to be fine but then 
the next weekend they had a golf tournament and she couldn't do her managerial thing. Like she couldn't make decisions couldn't do it. and she figured, Oh, I need to rest. I'll get better. And over the next month, she just didn't. And so she saw me about four months later, we put her on this program we're talking about and she did get better energy wise. Focus was improved. She could work at her job, but she still wasn't as she had been before. And she still had some problems with problem solving in her memory. And but she was working like crazy still. And stress just really affects the brain. It's hard to pass. I said, you need to go on vacation for two weeks and let's see if your brain improves. And so she went to Hawaii. It was beautiful. And after a couple of days, she did notice an improvement in her cognition and her memory. So we just can't minimize. That's, a, that's another one of those pieces. That's another, and you know, this is when you talk about that, you're speaking something that's very close to my heart because with my patients, that's what I would was mm-hmm. would focus on the mind management aspect as the major piece and then support with, you know, obviously you've got to do the exercise and the diet and the supplement. And I obviously work with medical doctors and, and nutritionists and people like yourself to make sure that we got the correct nutrition. But I always found that the biggest piece was to help a person manage mind management, manage this, the, the toxic stress, have a day-to-day yeah. plan for managing. And then a huge part of what I didn't, I wanted to ask you about this because you talk sure. about brain training, games, meditation, your feedback, focusing. I'm just reading from the list in, in your in your book, the description of your book. And the, this is for, for, from my research that I've done all these years. And just even recently working with my most recent clinical trial, brain building is an area of mental health and traumatic brain injury concussion, CTE, all of this that is, I think, very under overlooked. Mm. We need to be building our brain on a daily basis. And so I would put my patients on a regimen of, like some, for example, if they were at school and they, they'd lost some time, what, what would be their most, their greatest desire? And I remember one of my patients saying, well, it was to go back and finish high school. And she'd oh. lost most of her 11th grade. And, you know, she was functioning at sort of a an eight-year-old level and she was 18. And so this was like, okay, 10 years in a few months and she's going to try and finish school with her peer group. So it was a, a challenge. And it, I was very early in my research and she, I just said, okay, well, these are the techniques that build your brain and manage your mind and working on mind management of building the brain, but then also making that a priority. Then as the emotional stuff came up, giving her a plan for the emotional stuff. So I didn't focus on the emotional first. I focused first on let's Hmm. meet your goal. You want to get back to school. So let's work on how to get your learning back in place so that you can actually cope at school. And then the emotional stuff paralleled. And honestly, within eight months, this girl went back, finished school, ended up getting top grades better than before her accident. She actually functioned at a higher level intellectually after. Okay. It is cool. And I saw this, you know, the, you have, it happens once you think, okay, but then, you know, when you, when you work with it over time and you do all the, the research on it and the statistics and then it happens over and over and over again, you realize how important mind is in the process mm. of improving brain health. So you've got to address all the physical and you've got to address the brain training. So I'm so pleased that you put that in as part of your protocol. That's a great so story. I love it. Yeah. No, I love your story too. You know, we, we, we're seeing it from the same angle. It's a holistic picture and it's also very hopeful. Everything that yeah. you're saying in your book is, you know, you've, you're seeing changes in your patients. You're seeing people responding to all these interventions. Before we continue with today's episode, I want to tell you about a life-changing product that everyone needs, Blue Blocks Glasses. 
I just finished writing my latest book, which will be out in March 2021, and spent countless nights writing and researching till the early mornings. I can honestly say this would not have been possible without Blue Blocks' blue light blocking glasses. Before using Blue Blocks glasses, I used to get the worst headaches staring at my computer and phone, which would also make me more moody and compromise my work and deplete my energy. After interviewing Andy, the founder of Blue Blocks, I realized just how important blocking artificial blue light is for mental and physical health. I cannot stress enough how these glasses have changed my life and made hard work a little less painful. Get 15% off your order today when you use the code DRLEAF at checkout. Just go to blueblocks.com and use the code DRLEAF at checkout. The link and details will be in the show notes. So that particular lady, did you, once she'd come back from Hawaii, did you help her with stress management? She was, because yes. that seemed to be the factor that was holding her back. <laughs> well, it's kind of like she's type A, so she needed to, she wasn't going to let that go easily. So she started working again, thinking she had been cured and she could, she could handle it again. And then her memory worsened again. And so then she realized, okay, yes, I have to set boundaries for myself. I have to do less and I can delegate more and, and then she was able to maintain it and improve. She's like 65. And we rescanned her brain again. Now it had been about a year later, and it looks better than it did before. So there was some mind management happening there and boundaries. That's all mind management. And it's added to the protocol of looking after the physical side and the exercise and sleep and mm-hmm. all of them combined. Sleep plays such a huge role. Can you talk for a little bit about sleep and, yeah. and brain healing? Yes, it's a real key piece. You know, if that's when you produce your hormones is when you're in deep stages of sleep, especially things like growth hormone and testosterone. And that's really the juice that helps increase neuronal connection and growth of neurons and regrowth. And it's also when we consolidate memories and we, you know, we detoxify the glymphatics in the, in the brain. And yeah, it's just a critical, critical piece. And a lot of people have difficulty sleeping. Part of the issue is that for some, anyway, there's less melatonin production after an injury. For others, it is, so you can supplement with melatonin, very safe, no problems. Others, there is just, it's like neurons that have been damaged and they're not all the way on, but not all the way off. They're kind of like a light that's flickering, a fluorescent light. It's like, oh, it's, it's so annoying. So when they're awake, they're half asleep. And when they're trying to get to sleep, they're half awake and they can't fall asleep. So that's part of the issue. And usually when healing begins to happen, sleep improves. Yeah. So those are the main things to help think about with sleep. Yeah. And the other thing with sleep as well related to healing of brain that that I found was quite a big factor. We saw this in our clinical trials that with if you're not getting into that deep sleep, you're not getting enough of the telomerase. So you, your telomeres uh-huh. are being affected and you're making those, whatever, 810,000 cells every second. If, you're not, if you don't have enough of the telomerase, you're not going to do that pro- create that process of neuroplasticity. It's not going to be as effective as it could be. Mm. And that's happening in sleep. So, you know, that's very, I agree with you. It's a massive part of the whole healing process. And it does kind of go with the flow of healing. That sleep mm. does definitely tend to improve when you do all the, get the, all the other factors in place. So uh, one last question, and I mean, there's so sure. much more, but I'm go- I'd like to ask you about football. Let's talk about football. How do we protect our kids? You know, these, and there's many common, you know, how do people get common ways that people, the most common ways that people get concussions? So I know that's two, two parts to that question, common ways that we get concussions. And, you know, let's talk a little bit about football okay. and how do we protect our kids? Well, 
the most common cause of concussion is actually falls, you know, in young people and kids and then older adults, it's, it's actually falls that most ER visits for concussions are, is the reason assaults are quite common, you know? And so then thinking about all the different ways you can fall, especially as a kid. So you're falling out of a tree, off of a log, off of a horse is, is quite common. People who ride horses. So think about that the falls the motor vehicle accidents are up there as well i think it's falls and then motor vehicle accidents it doesn't have to be a hit to the head you don't have to hit the glass even with a seatbelt on a whiplash and injury is enough to damage the brain as far as football is concerned gosh i mean i love sports i love playing soccer but kevy please stop football <laughs> oh my goodness maybe flag football we could just do that I like the athleticism. I mean, the exercise is really helpful in the sportsmanship. And But we're not designed to hit our heads at all. We're not rams. We're not antelope or anything that, you know, hits their heads. It's We have no spongy bone, sponge, you know, shock absorber. No, we don't. And it reminds you of, these, of the story. There was, I was flying and I met this very famous football player and we were just talking oh. and, and I was you know, watching him play and you know he's got a lot of problems with anxiety and depression and all kinds of stuff. And he's telling me his whole history and he's been doing some of my oh. programs. And then I was watching him and he's forever the one who's heading that football. I mean, he's oh. the one with his head. I'm thinking, oh, no, stop. <laughs> oh, no, he doesn't realize that's Physical injury is contributing to his symptoms. And it's, and it's repeated. I mean, it's happening all the time and mm-hmm. it's in every game. I mean, he's just so good at it, but mm-hmm. how for how long? And he's a young guy. He's got young young children. And mm-hmm. now look at that and I think oh. that's just a CTE happening every time. It's right. That's right. It does make me cringe watching those kinds of sports. You know, I will say, though, that the conversation is starting to change. You know, the younger athletes who are very promising are giving up the rest of their careers because they've already had like eight concussions and they don't want to risk the rest of their life. And so younger players are starting to see that parents are taking their kids out of pop warmer, Warner more than ever. I was just on Nick Hardwick's show. He's recently retired NFL player and I'm trying to get information out about football and the damage and just to start thinking about it. And so people, people like you and me who Clearly, are brain centric, you know. But hearing it from the athlete who loves the game and says, "Hey, we got to be careful," then people will start to listen. And that's what we need now, because for for years it is not something that the the, the sporting community have wanted to hear. I mean, it's right from the beginning when CTE was first identified by a doctor. I can never say his name. That oh, Ben Amalu. Yes, and you know, and there's that great film where I think Will Smith plays him and, and yeah. talks about how. And from those days where it's been denied, yet it's a reality. And and it is there's a definite shift. Honestly, I've done quite mm. a few programs and different spoken to different neurosurgeons and things that work with mm. CTE and TBI. And if I just look over the last five years, mm-hmm. even three years, mm. there's a change in awareness. Oh, I'm so glad. To where to people hear. definitely now are talking about it more and becoming how long it's going to take for people to realize we have to play sport differently. I don't know, but we've got to protect our children. So gosh, this has been such a great discussion. I, I have loved it. And it's so lovely to talk to someone who, you know, who gets it and who has worked in the same area, you know, of, of such an important area. So thank you. Thank you for your work and, and, and your book and your information. It's fantastic. 
Oh, it's my pleasure to be here. I really appreciate all of your questions and all of your work that you're doing and spreading the word about brain health. And all, you know, I really have cherished talking with you as well. Oh, it's been great. And I hope we can do this again. And I hope we connect mm-hmm. again. I'm actually going to be interviewing Dr. Amens one of these days. So Good. that's great. We, we'll start building up a, a connection <laughs> between what we're all doing because we need to stand together to to it's get true. people changing how they look after their brains and their minds. So where can people find out more about you and the Amen Clinic and get your book? I'm at Amen Clinics Northwest since the Seattle area. The book is on Amazon and it's, there's an audible version. And actually, there's eight Amen Clinics around the country. There's three on the West Coast, four on the East Coast, and then there's Chicago. And yeah, I'm on Instagram and Facebook. Well. Fantastic. Well, we're going to put all those links in the show notes so that people can get hold of your book and find out more about you. And thank you again for your time and your expertise and your research. Keep up the good work. Thank you so much. Looking forward to talking again. Same here. I hope you found today's podcast interesting and helpful. If you want more tips and help with managing anxiety, depression, and mental health, be sure to visit my website at drleaf.com and to sign up for my weekly newsletter where I also include a schedule of my speaking events and so much more. And follow me on social media. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Just look for Dr. Caroline Leaf. Also, I love seeing all your posts on social media about this podcast. I love seeing what resonates with you and what you've learned. So be sure to continue posting and tagging me and letting me know what you think and how these tips worked out for you. And don't forget, leave a review and keep spreading the word about this podcast. Thank you for joining me today. I really hope you learned something new and helpful. Till then, I'm Dr. Caroline Leaf. This podcast represents the opinions of myself and my guests. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. While we make every effort to ensure that the information we are sharing is accurate, we welcome any comments, suggestions or corrections of errors.